When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the Girls and Boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You know, if, you, if you're in the NFL and you're a rookie quarterback and you're playing against Bill Belichick, he's probably going to drop eight the whole game on you and make you throw into windows. And you can double guys. And you're taking away the, the underneath throws. And, there's you know, there's you can have three guys deep. So, um, you know, we do it a good bit. Other teams do it a good bit. You have to have a really, you know, an accomplished receiver or accomplished passing game to find holes in it. Um, you know, we, we did it against Tom Brady, and eventually he'd find a way, obviously, to get you. But a lot of times, you know, you'd find, he would check the ball down before he finally figured out where he wanted to go with it. So it just takes it takes a lot of precision in the passing game. And if you can have some guys, if you have some guys who can rush with a three man rush, then you then you're you know, cooking with gas. Here we go, hour number two on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. And uh, I want to tell you about our friends at Warhorse Sportsbook. They are the best place in Nebraska to place your sports bets. You go live and in person at the casino to go to their kiosks, go to their sportsbook tellers, or get the Warhorse Casino app, build your bets on the app, then go to the casino, scan the QR code, and place your wager there in person. Warhorse Sportsbook, no bets, no glory. And now joining us on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is our then friend. You're, then you're, you're cooking with gas. Is our friend Mitch <laughs> Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch, I wonder if he cooks with gas. Uh, you know, he seems like an electric stove kind of guy. What are, what are we working with over there, Mitch? I've got some gas. Oh, yeah, gas. there we go. Always. That's my. See, I knew Mitch cooked with <laughs> gas. Like that, he looks like a gas cooker. Are we? You know, is that is that indoors and outdoors? You're working with the propane yeah. on the grill. Yes, cooking with gas indoors and outdoors. Although, I mean, I'm not going to turn down a good charcoal uh, opportunity at, mm. at uh, the right moment. Mm. Or smoker, or smoker. Well, I'm a right? big charcoal guy. Go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my in my, uh, you know, I'm sitting in my kitchen right now. Am I uh, out my? On my back patio, I've got the, the gas grill and, the, and then the gas stove right in front of me. So that's the way I roll. Mitch, really good to see you. It's been a while. Can we just take a moment and reflect <laughs> that the Huskers are 3-3, three and three, pretty much right where they're predicted to be at this point in the season? Yeah, that's where I had them. Um, not, the, not the path that they've taken to get there, but that's where I had them at the midpoint. And, and it's funny you say that I, I – we published our, my mid-season report on Nebraska football today on The Athletic or yesterday afternoon. And, and one of the things I did in that piece was revisit some of the preseason predictions. And you think for all that's happened this year, and it's been, it's been a bumpy ride, they are at the place where I think a lot of people expected they would be. Now, I thought it was going to include, this is before the season, before all of the Dion um, hype went through the roof. I thought Colorado would be a win, and Illinois uh, has been a surprise disappointment, mm-hmm. and I, I'd have that as a loss. So you switch those two, you get the same record, obviously. I think the game out there right now, and looking back at it, where um, you might need uh, to reassess things is, is Minnesota, because that obviously was a lost opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
Mitch, I'm curious as you're going through your midway point grades and it's sort of unusual to have a bye week directly in the middle of your season, although I'm sure Nebraska doesn't complain about it too much, but <laughs> the uh, how do you evaluate a guy like Marcus Satterfield who obviously the offense has been disappointing in terms of just overall production, but you also probably have to consider not only the incredible amount of injuries, but also the fact that he was able to get Heinrich Harburg ready and be functional as a Power 5 quarterback. I guess how do you balance all those things that kind of are, are pulling in different directions when evaluating Satterfield? Right. I think you have to take into account what's gone on, obviously, with the injuries and just how many pieces have been taken away from Marcus Satterfield. They expected to come into this season when you go back to July with Eric Gilbert as a key part at, at tight end, with Xavier Betts as a wide receiver who could take the rope off of a defense. And then, of course, with Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, who started the season as a wide, as a wide, rec- at wide receiver, went down with, the, with an injury in the Minnesota game. You look at the running back spot, everybody they've lost there, two of the top three. It's, it's been you know, one of the more challenging, extreme situations that you'll ever find for an offensive coordinator. So the fact that they even have an offense, that they have anything that, that, that they can rely on, that it looks um, even viable out there on the offensive side for Nebraska, I think speaks to the adaptability that they've shown. And at the top of that list is, is Marcus Satterfield and, and how he's adjusted and how he's embraced and been open to different things. They didn't expect in any scenario to come into the season and have to run the option so in the way that they have so that's uh that's a credit to him but it's it's also you know fair warning that uh hey this can happen and next year they're going to have to have more depth and they're going to have to have some alternative plans so that if things do go awry you know you wouldn't expect it to be like this but if things do go awry there's, there's like a plan b um, plan B this year, I don't even think was in the works until they got past the first game or two. Hey, Mitch, could you do us a favor and um, go out and come back in real fast, rehook up, because it sounds a little muffled on our end, and we just want to give the listeners the best, uh, the best chance at hearing your great coverage because I don't want to go through this whole thing and then – you know, yeah, realize people, people something here. important. Yeah, yeah. Um, he made a really good point, though, about Satterfield, because I think that is the hardest kind of grade to give this so far this season, right? Because on first blush, you look at it and you go, hey, yeah, the offense has – I mean, at the end of the day, the mm-hmm. offense's job is to put up points, right? Like, that's it. But when you look at the circumstances, I mean, he talked about Gilbert. You know, that's a guy I think they were really anticipating um, having – a, a big part in mm-hmm. the season. You know, three of your top four wide receivers from July, August are gone, right? So it's um, it, it's a it's a really incredibly hard evaluation, um, as Mitch was saying. Mitch, a much easier evaluation probably is Tony White, who has been, I think, as good as anyone could have hoped for. I, I guess a different sort of question on Tony White, where has the defense been compared to your expectations going into the year? Because I think a lot of us didn't really know what to expect with the three-three-five, with some of the personnel. I have to imagine, at the very least, everyone's pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, hope you guys can hear me. Perfect. It sounds great. great. Yep. Thank All you. Right. Yeah. I had high expectations for the defense, and 
you know, I thought that was going to be the group that had to lead the way. And a lot of that was um, a result of the way that Matt Rule talked about the defense coming out of some of the scrimmages in August. You could tell that they were happy with the with the progress that they had seen. And it was that way in the spring, too. I remember coming out of the spring and thinking that Tony White was the coach on the job, um, coach on the staff, who had who had done the best job in just jumping in with those 15 practices and getting the most done. And it continued into August. So I'm not surprised that the defense is the group that's clearly ahead in the progress, especially when you factor in all the injuries on the offensive side. And now the defensive side has had some injuries too, but they've gone out and developed depth from the very beginning. You know, even in those first two games that Nebraska lost, you saw 20 to 25 defensive players out there in important moments, which is somewhat unheard of. And, you know, I think it was a great plan for Tony White because he knew that if they got dealt curveballs, if a guy like Deshaun Singleton, who was a breakout player, if he went down with an injury, they were going to have to have somebody behind him who could come in and, and it wouldn't be a drop off. Same thing with Luke Reimer, Nebraska's most productive defensive player, arguably coming into this season. If he went down, you know, as, as we've seen the past couple games, they had to have guys ready. There's not an excuse of, hey, you know, we've had a bunch of injuries, so that's why we're giving up 400-plus yards a game. No, I and mean, that's, that's, that's not – a coach doesn't want to have to say that, doesn't want to have to answer questions like that. And that, to me, is the number one thing. Well, number one, I'd say, would be instilling that mentality that you've seen that's new with the black shirts or renewed with the black shirts this year in the way they swarm to the football. Number two is how he's been forward thinking and developed depth from the very beginning so that when stuff does go offline, he he's ready to step in with a replacement. Mitch, um, I want to go back to the presser we heard on Tuesday of Coach Rule saying Nebraska needs to get about 7% better on third downs on offense and defense. And I kind of want to talk about the importance behind that 7% and how easy or difficult that is to attain. Is that like asking a swimmer to shave seven seconds off his freestyle time? Or is that like asking a lineman to lose seven pounds? Because one can take three weeks to a month. The other may take until the season's over. <laughs> you talking about like a 500 meter, 500 meter freestyle or, <laughs> yeah. or a 50 meter? There's a big uh, difference there. Uh, let's go, let's uh, 50 go with the meter 50. would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> Look, I don't think Nebraska is going to add 7% um, to their third down conversion rate um, and take 7% off on the defensive side when you look at that figure at the end of the year compared to where it is now. But what's easier to do would be to improve the second half by 7%. So it's you know maybe going to be 3 or 4% of, of a gain. And that, that's, that seems more realistic. I mean, right now... They're kind of in the in the lower middle to bottom of the Big Ten in both of those categories. And it's a little surprising on the defensive side with as well as the defense has played that they're giving up um, third down success at a 40, low 40s clip. Uh, I think they can strive to make that in the mid-30s or low 30s even the rest of the way, which is going to bring it down three or four points, the total number. You know, that's semantics. He wants to see it better is what he wants mm -hmm. on both sides of the ball. The strength of this defense has been stopping the run, you know, which is I think that was the number one concern with the 3-3-5 coming in. But they've got big guys up, up front. You know, I think Nash Hutmacher is the midseason team MVP all the way around because of the job that he's done um, and being the, the, the control piece for the defense. That 3-3-5, that it's not effective if you don't have a nose tackle who can control, um, you control the middle of the field. Um, 
It all starts there. And then I think it also starts kind of at that rover spot and with the safeties. And Isaac Gifford and Deshaun Singleton before he got hurt and Omar Brown have done a great job at those spots too. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's easier to fix the third downs on the defensive side for this team than it will be to go up into the 45% range as an offensive group. But they can definitely get better on, on both sides of the ball. Mitch, kind of looking at the rest of the season, I think, you know, as Coach Rule said, hey, there's nobody on that schedule that they can't beat, and there's nobody on that schedule that can't beat them. Um, I guess I'm, I'm curious mostly about the offensive side of the ball. If we continue to see about the same level of defense, is there a number you have in mind in terms of, hey, it's probably going to take about this many points a game mm-hmm. to get three more wins the rest of the way? Yeah, mid twenties probably. I think that's that's a a good way to look at it. You want to strive if you're in Nebraska to, you know, put thirty points on the board every game. And sometimes if you get to twenty four, that's going to be good enough to win. I, I think that you know, they're at nineteen right now, a game through six. I think if they add four or five points to that, then they'll be in good position to win three of the last six. And and you look at the teams that they're playing and. You know, Michigan's Michigan is uh, in the past. They don't have mm-hmm. Michigan the rest of the way or a team like them. I mean, it's Maryland and Wisconsin as the two best teams on the schedule the rest of the way. You know, and, and if you if you put those in the loss category for Nebraska, which I know they're not doing, but if you're trying to like um, unemotionally look at the six games that are left and you say, all right, they're going to have they're going to be underdogs against Maryland and Wisconsin, especially Wisconsin on the road. Mm-hmm. Okay, what happens in the next four? All four of those games are, are swing games, and Northwestern maybe not a swing game. Northwestern maybe is one that is on the other side where Nebraska should win that. So there's three more. You need to you need to win two of those: Purdue, Michigan State, and Iowa. And in those games, how many points is it going to take to win? Well, it's different game by game. You know, in Iowa, you might win it with 14. Um, <laughs> Purdue, you you know, you might need 31. So. Uh, but overall, I, I think if this offense can can up their points per game by by about one score, you know, between a field goal and a touchdown, uh, on the average, that they're going to be in good shape. Mitch, I was looking at your five keys for Nebraska to get to at least six wins, and number five really stuck out to me: incorporate the youth, because I think that has great importance, especially on the outside now, uh, when you hear the names Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss, Jaden Lloyd pop up um, as guys. Coach Rule says will need to step up in this moment. Who would you like to see it step up based on what you think the Huskers are missing the most on the outside? It would be great to see Malachi Coleman. And I, I think we've seen it. I think we've started to see it. Now, we, we've not seen the finished product, and we won't at any point this year see the finished product with him. But there's a, there's a, a place in the middle that would really help Nebraska. Uh, you know, two more steps that he can take. Um, if he can be a guy who is running routes where he's open down the field, you know, then Heinrich Harburg's got to hit him. And that's not Heinrich Harburg's strength is throwing those 25-plus yard throws. So it's a dual-pronged thing where the quarterback is going to have to work and get better and have confidence that his receivers are open down the field, which hasn't been the case through the first four games that Heinrich Harburg has started. And then the receivers have to get off the line and get past second, get past defensive backs in the Big Ten, which 
That's one part of the schedule where you look at it the rest of the way, and I think there is some concern. One, because of the playing conditions that you're likely to see in October and November, and two, there's good defenses out there. Not a lot of great offenses that Nebraska faces the rest of the way, one or two good ones, but um, a bunch of good defenses. So that'll be a challenge for whoever the freshman receivers are that they ultimately end up putting out there the most. And it was Malachi in the Illinois game after Marcus Washington went down. I would like. I think he has the, the pretty clear with his size. Mm-hmm. He's six foot five, and guy can run a ten three, ten four, one hundred. I mean, he has all the tools. Just need to see that at use out there on the field, and and give Nebraska the opportunity to stretch stretch some things offensively. Mitch, kind of going off of Coach Rule's comments on Tuesday, how how do you kind of handicap the quarterback situation moving forward? And I, and I guess I'll ask it this way. Do you expect that we'll see one, two, or three different guys start the rest of the way? Right now I'd say one. Okay. Um, but I'm not far away from being convinced that there could be a situation. Well, there definitely could be a situation. I know there could be a situation where Jeff Sims resume, returns to the starting spot. But uh, – you know, that means that Harburg gets hurt. You know, it would not need to be a serious injury, but I think if he's 80%, they'd look at going to Jeff Sims and just see what he can give them. If, if you know, Heinrich turns an ankle uh, in week, you know, sometime in October or November, and, and while well, they're like, well, we got fully healthy Jeff Sims over here, and Heinrich is having a hard time, you know, turning the corner on an option run, so let's just go see. I think I think that kind of a situation, they would go with Jeff and just see see what they've got. But... Right now, this is Heinrich's team. Um, it's his offense, and he says, hey, the offense and the team, it belongs to everybody. And, you know, technically he's right with that, but the quarterback is such an important part that uh, there has to be some ownership that's taken, and I think he's, he's shown that. He's humble about it. He doesn't, doesn't say, hey, this is, this is on me. But um, that's how he's playing, uh, and it's not always pretty. It's, you know, not always getting the results that he wants. There's times where he misses – you know, he makes the wrong decisions. There's time where he where he runs the wrong play. Um, you see his inexperience. But they're coaching him hard, as Matt Rule said. And I think as, as long as they continue to do that, that's a really good sign. You know, if, he t- if Matt Rule were to take his foot off the gas in the way that he was coaching him, I think that means mm-hmm. that his expectations are lower. And we've yet to see that. He continues to push and continues to coach him hard. I think that they, they, they see parallels between what Heinrich Harburg is doing this season and what some of the young guys – that he's coached in college in the past have done and, and you know at, at at temple with pj walker and, and at baylor with with charlie brewer and you know those guys were both huge pieces and really important in elevating the programs after matt rule took over in, in difficult spots in 2013 and 2017. do you think harburg is that elevator i don't know that he is beyond this season you know that's to be determined we'll see what kind of improvement he can make in the off season you know we'll see if he starts the rest of this season we'll see how his accuracy is, um, how his decision-making improves. It, you know, he's a physical guy. The running QB part is always going to be there in his arsenal, um, but he's going to need to learn to pitch the ball on the option, um, or that's not going to fly in the Big Ten because there's, there's just too many good defenders and linebackers that will, that will eat you alive if they know what you're going to do when you get out there on the edge running that play. So it, it all depends on just the kind of improvement that he has. I mean, he has it in him. 
Um, I'm not like super confident that a year from now we're going to be talking about him as like a 15 game starter. You know, I think it's a possibility, but I also, I also think it's a real possibility that Nebraska goes into the portal after this season and finds that elevator guy, hmm. you know, the person who can take their program to the next level um, from another program, somebody who's playing somewhere else right now. Mitch, I'm curious and I'm genuinely asking because I'm not sure that I know. Do you think Jeff Sims, we kind of mentioned the struggles that Harburg has pushing the ball downfield, maybe trying to get the ball to a guy like Malachi Coleman. Is that something where Jeff Sims is an upgrade in that specific area? Or I'm, I'm just I'm not sure we've seen it from him either. Do, do they have a guy like that on the roster? Well, we didn't see enough from him to know. And mm-hmm. part of that was because there weren't receivers running wide open down the field. I mean, the, I think the longest throw uh, in the air that he made was on that broken play against yeah. Minnesota where he threw it about 35 or 40 yards in the air to Alex Bullock, who was wide open in the end zone. And, and he was accurate on that. But, you know, any Power 5 quarterback has to be able to hit that throw. So it's not that doesn't tell you what, what his arm – you know, what his accuracy is like down the field. He's got the arm strength, mm-hmm. and I think Harburg does too. But, uh, you know, and then Jeff also has the experience. He's done that at Georgia Tech. You know, he made throws like that at times at Georgia Tech, not as consistently as they would have liked to have seen, but he's at least done it where Heinrich Harburg really hasn't. And, and just about every time I've seen him go down the field, uh, it's been off the mark. Um, you know, either the receivers had to come back for it or it's been overthrown or it's just been offline. So I'm sure they see it from him in practice. He's got to put it out there in, you know, in play on Saturday. And, you know, with Sims, I think you, what you would expect, it, let, let's say he, he's out there against Michigan State. I think what, what or, you know, even Northwestern, um, what, what you could expect going in is that they might take a couple more shots because they're probably more comfortable knowing that he's done it in the past and has experience finding guys open down the field. Mitch, coaches will be out on the road today and tomorrow to recruit during the bye week. What spots in town do you think will be of most importance? I can think of one, and uh, his name just popped back up on the market, and I can guarantee Ravi has another (laughs) option in mind. But what about you? Well, yeah, obviously there's going to be a presence at Buell Stadium on Friday night when – Omaha West Side takes on Millard South, and that's the game of the year in the regular season in, in Class A and all the state of Nebraska. So, and you have a ton of players out there. You have players on both sides. You know, players who have emerged this year from Millard South that Nebraska's taken a look at, and of course the whole um, long list of, of prospects at, at Omaha West Side in the 24 and the, and the 25 class. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Nebraska will have a presence at that game. Um, you know, if you're talking about Caleb Pyfrom and, and Omaha Central, who just popped back on the market. We'll see. I don't know what Nebraska's interest is there. Um, really haven't gotten any indication one way or the other that Nebraska's looking to um, get him into the mix. I, I, don't, I don't believe, I could prove to be wrong on this, that his decommitment from Illinois was directly related to you know, wanting to come commit to Nebraska. Otherwise, I think maybe we would, would have seen that by now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of players outside of the Metro who are within a drive. First of all, you're going to see Garrett McGuire, I'm sure, and Terrence Knighton, um, Josh Martin, if he's on the road, down in the state of Texas this weekend. It's been a couple months since they've been able to get back down there. Sure. And it's so important for them to just maintain those connections. So those guys are going to be out in Texas, and then there will be a bunch out um, in Nebraska and surrounding states. And maybe somebody, you maybe E.J. Barthel will go out to the East Coast. I don't know exactly what their plans are, but 
I'd go check in on Carter Nelson if uh, if I was the coaches, and I might send Matt Rule to that game. You know, maybe I'd send uh, maybe I'd send uh, Satterfield or or Donovan Rayola over to to, uh, to check out Grant Bricks at, at Logan Magnolia in Iowa. Um, they're still working on him, um, but I would continue to recruit Carter Nelson as hard as they they ever did when he was uncommitted, because it's a guy who is still on the radar of Notre Dame and they're going to do everything they can to try to get a visit from him sooner rather than later. And if you're Nebraska, you don't want to get caught flat-footed when that happens. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Terrific stuff as always. Mitch, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Mitch. Okay, thanks, guys. That is our friend Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Coming up always next, stuff. we're almost halfway always through. Always terrific stuff. stuff there. And terrific range as well. It's got the recruiting covered. Mm-hmm. It has the in-season stuff covered. He obviously has swimming covered, too. I'll he, say. Uh, mixed in 500 or 50. Yeah. I'm like, all right, Listen, Mitch, let's go. He's a, he's a versatile guy. We appreciate Mitch as always. Uh, coming up next, we will have the second half of the show. Heard at Sports Radio.